Welcome to the Art of Intention podcast with Beth and Ayla, two best friends turned creative entrepreneurs. This is a place for us to discuss everything business, friendships, and faith, and occasionally more. We're so excited for today's episode. We think you're going to love it. Stay tuned. friends and happy Monday. You're listening to the Art of Intention podcast and we are your hosts, Beth and Ayla. If you're new to the show, we talk about pretty much everything over here, but we do have our main pillars being business and entrepreneurship, relationships and friendships, and faith. We both work in the photography niche as Beth is a full-time wedding and destination photographer and I work as a private photo editor. Today is an episode for the photographers and photo editors because we are talking about the importance of setting up successful workflow. Yes, workflow. Yay. (laughs) So what we mean by this is essentially the experience from the minute a client reaches out to you until the completion of the job. What are all the steps taken in between and what are the best ways to do it? Um, I can, for one, say when I first started my photography business, I did not pay attention to workflow as much as I should have. Um, Could have saved myself a lot of heartache. And it's definitely a lesson that you know, I wish I knew sooner. Um, It's almost like I wish there was a podcast out there that could give me tips on setting up a smooth client workflow. Like what? Maybe that had two friends who were like fun to listen to. Tell me what to do. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Where where could we possibly find something like that? Oh, wait a minute. You're here. Okay. What? (laughs) Wow. If that is you, you are in the right place. If you're a small business owner, specifically in the photography or editing niche, and you've maybe been struggling with your workflow or you don't know much about it, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. We're going to jump right in about making your workflow smooth, easy, and efficient. But first, let's hop over to community news. Cool. So today's community news topic is really interesting. I'm really, um, I'm intrigued by it. And it definitely goes along Mm -hmm. with the topic of AI, which we've talked about a few times on the show in community news, it rising in popularity, usually like the Photoshop beta AI and things like that. Today's topic is not not editing AI, but it follows AI-generated art and the like. So Mm. this showed up on my feed a few days ago, and it comes from Nikon. Now, Nikon, in my opinion, is known for their amazing advertising and campaigning. They do a really good job with a lot of the stuff they do, and they tend to bring photography back to people and the earth a lot. So I like when I see stuff from them. They have released, um, this showed up on my feed two days ago, so um, from the date we're recording this, they have released a new anti-AI campaign positioning traditional photography against AI-generated photos. Now, while I don't necessarily have a problem with art coming from a prompt fed into AI, because I think it can be kind of an interesting tool, um, I love what this campaign is doing. They're basically featuring real photos from all around the world of the earth. So landscapes, mountains, cliffs, captioned with prompts that one might feed into an AI image generator, if that makes sense. Ooh. So if you've been seeing AI generated art around the internet, usually there's a person typing a prompt into the program. It's kind of hard to explain without showing you the photos, so I will leave a link to a blog post talking about this campaign in our show notes, but basically it looks like this. So imagine I'm going to give you a prompt and just kind of imagine it in your head. So imagine the prompt, Manhattan skyscrapers 100 years after the zombie apocalypse. You might be thinking, you know, tall buildings with run down, lots of greenery, like covering them, whatever, something like that. So someone would enter that into a generator and get, you know, exactly what you're thinking, tall vegetation um, covered structures. But the photo that Nikon has with that prompt 
on their campaign is real rock pillars covered in vegetation that look like buildings. So they did another one and the prompt was um, a skate park in the middle of a Mars desert. And it's a photo of a real red rock location with those really cool swoopy like Canyon rocks. So basically it's a harsh reaction against everything being AI generated and pointing it back to nature and how nature already has so many. Those are only two of the examples. There's multiple where they type up prompts that make it look like an AI generated images image, but it's real photos Mm -hmm. of the world taken by a real person. And I think that is super cool. Their tagline is don't give up on the real world. So (gasps) yeah, I love it. So feel free to type (gasps) that in your search bar to learn more about it or check the link in our show notes. If that intrigues you, I don't think, I don't know if it's like open for anybody. Like if, if anyone's submitting photos or if it's just a campaign, but either way, you should definitely check out um, the full list of images because I read them this morning and they're really, really cool. That is so cool. I'm going to check that out. Okay. So let's talk about workflow on both the client side and on your side, you know, the inward facing workflow. Okay. So talking to photographers, there's a moment where a client reaches out to you, usually asking about a photo shoot, whether it's for a wedding, family session, whatever. And from that exact moment on your workflow has started, that's where your workflow starts. So from that moment on, you're contacting the potential client, booking them, consulting them about your service, and then providing them with that service, ending with the delivery of their gallery, of course. Yeah. And for the editors listening, things look a little different, but you definitely still have a workflow. Usually you're approached by a photographer who needs editing. And from that moment on, you make the decision to onboard them and you're likely setting up either a consultation or a trial run. Then you're onboarding them as a client and your workflow shifts into a process of receiving and delivering galleries. Yeah, exactly. And while it might be easy as creatives to just sort of want to like go with the flow when talking about workflow and just kind of go like willy nilly and like do your own thing. If you do that, you're not setting yourself up for success. And we'll share with you today personal experiences and like prove that that's true. Yeah, for sure. I think both of us have had to evolve our workflow over the years since we started and we'll probably continue to do so. You know, there's always more ways coming yeah. out of to um, save time and, and be more efficient. And let me just say, if for some reason, I don't think you'd be doing this, but if for some reason you play a drinking game along with our podcast and you want to take a shot every time there's the word <gasps> workflow... I'm telling you right now, don't do that because um, we're going to say the word workflow a lot or play it if it's a fun <laughs> night for you. But either way, um, we're about to say that word like a hundred times. So, you know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we're oh going to actually take a sip of water. You'll get really hydrated. Oh, there you go. Drink some water every time we say the word workflow. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. We're going to go into kind of how our workflows have changed since we started our careers. So Beth, if you're able to summarize, can you share how your workflow has changed over the years? What are some things you used to do that you don't do now? Oh, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So my client workflow has taken a full 180 since I started, like definitely. Um, My biggest mistake I'd say in the beginning was not consolidating my communication to like one platform. I had a website where people could inquire, but like I didn't really stick to that. So I had people DMing me on my personal account, DMing me on my Instagram business account, trying to message me on Facebook, text message, calling me, personal email, going through my website, contact form, which went to a different email. (laughs) Uh, And then also like, you know, doing my business email as well. I think in total, when I sat down to count, there was like eight different avenues of communication. Oh my gosh. Full on insanity. Oh my gosh, no doubt. I know. Well, when you're getting into it, when you're first starting, you're not thinking that it's a big deal. You're just thinking, oh, this will be convenient. Oh, sure. I'll just respond to that message. But yeah, well, yeah, more yeah, on that yeah. later. 
but it made finding messages like an absolute nightmare. My responses were like even slower than you can imagine if someone would message me on a platform and I'd like forget to check it. Yeah. Um, I also used to ex- uh, accept payments, you know, via like PayPal and Zelle and cash, stuff like that. Well, oh, I still wow. do cash sometimes, but yeah, PayPal, Zelle, like any online platform like that, which was a nightmare to keep track of and would be very sketchy come tax season. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So another part of my workflow that was not very good was I didn't hold any kind of office hours at all. And I set a weird precedent with some clients. This was a, I quickly learned from this, but a couple of times um, I would respond at like 2 a.m. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden these clients would just assume I had like the ability to respond instantly, no matter what, even if it was like two or three in the morning. And after doing that just a couple of times, I realized, oh, I'm setting a bad precedent here. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, eventually I had to learn, oh, that's what office hours are for. But anyways, um, along with the communication, I was also sending like new responses to every client. Like when they'd inquire, I'd come up with like new packages and new – like basically nothing was a template, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so it was very, very all unorganized. Um, to be fair though, I was just starting out oh, and I yeah. had to learn through trial and error as a lot of people do. I'm very much the kind of person who likes to just try it and then I learn – Um, Instead of like researching and doing things the right way, that's a big flaw in me. But anyways, I'll tell more about that obviously later. Ayla, what about you? Yeah, I was somewhat similar. I mean, well, maybe not really. Okay, so it's going to sound like I was fully organized off the bat, but I kind of was not because I got the tools and stuff for proper workflow kind of right in the beginning. Right. I've mentioned this before, but I took a course for photo editing and I invested in education behind it. So I immediately set up through that course, automations, and a website before even launching. So, and I use Dipsado and show it like hand in hand. However, my little rebel mind still wanted to go outside of that. So literally it was like a, a real life person helped walk you through like setting up all your automations and setting up your workflow and telling you, exactly how it's going to work. But my, when my first few clients started to come through, I was like, mm, I'm going to try it differently. <laughs> like I'm similar to you in that way. I'm just like, I've been told to do it this way. So I'm going to try it this way, which can be super fun and exciting and innovative. And sometimes yeah, it just true. like, just sets you up for stress that does not need to be there. So in the beginning, I did lots of Instagram messaging and telling clients a lot of information through there, whereas it was set up in my workflow to send them my pricing guide where all their questions are answered. Like pretty much every time I've barely ever had someone still have questions after reading my pricing guide. But before I even sent that to them, I would just be answering question after question in DMs because I was like, this makes me more personable. And it's not like that's wrong, but you you know, the busier you get, you cannot be sitting in just like chatting for hours throughout the day. Um, So yeah, kind of lots of Instagram messaging and other random things outside of my regular onboarding workflow. And it was not good. It always left me more stressed and it made, it confused my clients. I remember my first client who I actually onboarded properly using all of my setup automations. Beth, you were actually kind of the first one I did that with, but we were sitting side by side with our computers open so I could make sure everything was working properly. So, you know, but um, my first client who I actually onboarded properly, it was so easy. Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe, I was like, look, I'm just going to send the email template I already have. I'm just going to do this. She was onboarded within the hour and yeah. And because, and she didn't have any extra questions for me because they were already answered in the way I had set it up. She might've had one really random one, but it was like 
a pretty niche question, which I don't mind answering when that happens. So that was all good. But sometimes onboarding a new client this these days, sometimes it does require me to be flexible and there is flexibility with my workflow. But as often as I can, I'm sticking with it because it's so much less confusing than if I'm trying to personally do it differently every time. Like I look back and I'm like, why would I change it every time if I literally have a way that works? So Right, exactly. You're going to be serving your clients better if you're consistent. And you may think, I love the point you made about how you were tempted to think it made you more personable. But in reality, you're going to be serving all your clients better if you have a consistent workflow and something that's super convenient that already answers their questions. Like, And then anytime they have a question, they can go back to that thing you sent them. So it's even better yeah. than just like a, converse, a bunch of conversations about it. And I love how you just explained how you felt like it was so easy. Yeah. Like that feeling. It was like, like wow. Like this is what it's supposed to feel like. Oh, I feel like I can do this a hundred more times. Like totally, that's awesome. that's yeah. A good, good point. Well, yeah, and there's so there's so much room later in your business to be personable like that. Like you're going to yeah. be answering troubleshooting emails or whatever else. Like there's plenty of time to you know get nice and chummy with your clients. But during onboarding, it's like yeah. let's just get this on and get going. So Beth, let's yeah. talk about our workflows now and how our listeners can set up their workflows for success step by step. But before we get into Mm -hmm. that, I want to ask why this even matters. Why bother taking the time? Because it does take lots of time to set up automations, write canned emails, follow a strict system. Like why even bother with all of that? Why is it important? Yeah. Well, there's going to be tons of benefits, but the main one comes down to, I think, like two points. A good workflow serves you and good workflow serves your clients. Just like that. Um, Now, what do I mean? So let's get into specifics. It eliminates confusion for both parties. So like I said, I used to accept messages from like email, DMs, website, like in person, Facebook, all that jazz. And you can imagine that got super confusing. Now imagine being flustered, overwhelmed, unorganized, and trying to provide a five-star experience. That's not going to happen. Those two just, they don't add up. Right. Um, you know, I would get, so you you may have the temptation to be casual and chill with that, but that just will not work. Yeah. Totally. And I love that. And like what I said when I was in my editing education course and it came to learning about automations and workflows, the creative in me could not be bothered. I was so bored going through that portion of setting it up because I wanted to design my website. I wanted to start getting clients. I wanted to do the actual editing and just start the business. But oh my gosh, I could not imagine where I would be without spending the time to set all that up. Sure, I could probably get clients, but I would be spending so much time rewriting the same email over and over. The amount of times I've been able to refer a potential client right to my inquiry form on my site and they've onboarded within the hour rather than back and forth on Instagram for days made setting up a strong workflow worth it. I'm big on finding ways to save time. With the way I have it set up now from initial inquiry to you're in my books, you're onboarded, you're a client. If both parties are responding in a re- reasonable time, hour tops. Unless they book a trial run right. a consultation, then there's a bit more that goes into it. But the actual system should not take longer than that. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's such a good point. Um, we should say too, setting up the workflows and automations takes some time. I actually do, unlike you, I do actually enjoy that. I mm. thought it was fun because the brochures, like my a lot of my automations are like brochures and I had a lot of fun like making them look pretty and stuff. Oh, but it cool. might also require, yeah, it might require some trial and error though. Like you may think you have everything there and then you send it out to a client and they have an extra question for you. You're like, oh, I should add that into the brochure because a lot of people are going to have that question. So right. be patient with yourself if you have to go back and forth and, and customize it a little bit, but that will take some time. Um, so 
set aside time to sit down, write canned emails, program automations, but think it through. You know, that'll take maybe what what would you say, like a few days tops, maybe? Yeah. Um, I think like beginning to end setting up your a few days if you're like doing yeah. it basically full time, like spending a full day working yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And if it's like you're if you're automating everything, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, but then you legitimately never have to sit down and write an email like that again. Yeah. Like it's so so worth it. Yeah. I like I'll sometimes do tiny customizations on each email and then um some of my more longer term rec- clients who I'm just talking more so too, I will write those emails, but like the first initial ones that are a bit longer, like my inquiry response one, I don't have to like sit and rewrite that and remember what I'm saying each time. It's it's all right there. As you can tell, we love efficiency and giving you tools to be more efficient and not only in your work life, but also in the day-to-day. So that brings us to today's sponsor, Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a hydrating drink mix powder that hydrates two times faster than just water through the use of electrolytes and its cellular transport technology. In simple terms, that just means it's an easy, convenient way to stay hydrated. Keep your immune system strong with Liquid IV, a drink mix that helps you stay hydrated when you're busy or on the move. We love how convenient these are, and they taste good too, honestly. I've used a few different brands, but Liquid IV I feel like has a solid science behind them, and I really love their flavors. They have so many different flavor options like strawberry lemonade, one of my favorites, lemon lime, pina colada, watermelon, tropical punch, honestly, you guys, so much more. They even have a sugar-free version, which is peach-flavored. Just one packet of Liquid IV in a 16-ounce water bottle hydrates you twice as fast as just water alone would. And you're also getting vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. So it has three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks, and you can trust that it's been made with premium ingredients. Something else amazing is that Liquid IV also partners with leading organizations to help communities protect their water. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. Beth and I have both been on multiple mission trips in our lives, so our hearts are really big on helping others. We love supporting companies that show they want to work to make the world a better place. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code INTENTION at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code INTENTION at liquidiv.com. So let's shift into building a solid workflow. So Beth, you can share as much or as little as you like, but what does your typical client workflow look like? So kind of like from inquiry email to the end, what are some steps you've set up? Okay. So like I said, it's been a big switch, uh, like a 180 switch. I switched over to the program called HoneyBook. I honestly didn't even really fully understand what HoneyBook was or even like you know, what it did fully when I bought it. I just knew I needed something to help with organization and payments. And like everyone in the photography industry, I feel like talks talks about HoneyBook. Um, So I got HoneyBook to help with all of this stuff and it did. So I've been using it for a few years now and it is my workflow. Like it is my workflow. So I'll explain what that looks like. First, a client will inquire and I only accept inquiries through the contact forms on my websites. Those are connected to HoneyBook, so I'll get alerts via HoneyBook and my email, and it alerts me on pretty much every single device that I own in my house. When they submit a contact form, it automatically creates an email thread for me in a HoneyBook client portal, Um, so it also then creates that portal for them, Um, and it'll look like a normal email conversation on their end, but on my end, it'll all be kept in one nice, neat spot. When I go into their portal in HoneyBook, I can see their inquiry form answers, and I can take my response templates that I have and take a couple seconds to just customize them real quick, like I'll add their names to the brochure, answer their questions more specifically if they had any specific questions in their inquiry that isn't in the brochure, but basically the bones of my response are already done in that brochure. It's my pricing guide. You know, I have like my pricing packages, more information about my myself and my services. So I'm not retyping that for every client, of course. Yeah. 
Um, plus, HoneyBook allowed me to create like little aesthetic brochures. So that was fun. So I have that all ready to go whenever they inquire and I can just do a couple of tweaks and send that off. Once I send that off, we chat back and forth, of course, via that email, but it's, you know, the portal. Um, and another great thing about the portal is any documents and photos we send to each other during the planning process, whether it's like a location guide booklet that I send them, maybe their inspo photos they send me, links to a Pinterest board, all of that is kept in the portal and it's automatically organized by HoneyBook under a oh, files tab. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. It is nice. Um, so yeah, so like if we talked four months ago about like inspo photos, I don't have to scroll through like 10 emails. I can click on the files tab and every single thing is right there. And I think if they log into their portal, they they have access to the same thing. Oh, that's awesome. But of course they have to log in through that. Yeah. Also all my payments go through there. So when I send them a booking link and sometimes I have like two versions of files of like brochures I send. One is just like a pricing guide by itself. Right. And the other one is a all in, I call it the all in one booking file. And it's like pricing more information about me. And then if they go to the next pages, they can actually like choose a date and fully book right there. Ooh, like I have nice. had clients like you said before who like onboard in an hour if I send that file. So anyways, it, it contains the contract that they can sign, payment details, payment schedule, and they can pay right through that. Nice. And create like automatic automatic payments too if they want. Yeah. And then of course, side note, HoneyBook automatically tracks all my payments. So when tax season comes, that's, you know, easy peasy. Yeah. And then things like when they inquire with me and put a date on their inquiry form, HoneyBook is connected to my Google, Google calendar. So it automatically and immediately puts their desired date on my calendar. And then if we end up switching the date in the portal, it'll switch on my Google calendar Google calendar too. So that's been super nice. I haven't had to, that was something I forgot to mention in my old workflow. I was like inputting dates in my calendar on my own. And if I didn't do it immediately, like God forbid, there was like one time where I forgot oh to put a date on for a photo shoot. And like, it's just, you know, that's on you. You just yeah, yeah panic later. Anyways, there are some aspects of HoneyBook that would probably imp keep improving my workflow um, that I might use one day. I'll have to keep looking into. Like you can upload QuickBooks with it and all that jazz. Like, mm -hmm. There's so many other things. But it, but that's, yeah, this is client specifically. Anyways, so yeah, at the moment, I still do some pretty customized things for each client, like with those brochures, like the bones are there, but I'll add like their names and sometimes custom pricing, stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I'm able to respond so much faster to clients, which is so huge. You know, something I'm still working on is getting more consistent with like office hours, but it's just yeah. hard to do with a job like this. I know you understand since oh, you definitely. never know like what day of the week you're going to be having like a job to go out and do. But still, this has been like the best system. Anything like HoneyBook or I know you use Dubsabo. Is that how you say it? Dubsado. Yeah. Dubsado. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah They're great something. too. So like all that kind of stuff is so great. But anyway, so Ayla, why don't you share what your workflow is now? Yeah, that's awesome. I've never actually, it's so funny. I've gotten like photography done by you before, but I guess I would never go through it that way. So that's so nice. Like that's so in depth and just like yeah, it has everything yeah. clients need. And I do like that about HoneyBook. I think I mentioned this later, but like I, I've never used it, but I like that aspect of it for photographers, like the brochures aspect and just like yeah. the customization for that, I think is super nice. But yeah, I'll sum up yeah. what it looks like to onboard a new client for me as an editor. And then I'll summarize kind of what a gallery workflow looks like. Cause I kind of have two workflows because it's different in photography. Like with photography, you provide your service and then you're kind of done. Whereas I have like consistent returning clients, but for client yeah. onboarding, it starts by the potential client filling out my client inquiry form on my website. If they message me on Facebook or Instagram, I just send them a link to that form. Same as you, I used to do many other things, but it's just easier to just yeah. send them that link. Sometimes they don't want to fill it out. They're too busy, but you've filled out that form and you know, it's like less than five minutes to fill out. Amazing. I don't yeah, need much. It just, um, it gets them into my Dubsado 
and with them not being in there like I cannot start anything else like the way it works they have to be in that system so so yeah first step is the client inquiry form and then once I get their inquiry I assess if I have room for a photographer like if I'm in busy season probably not but I assess if I have room for a photographer and I assess if we would be a good match which is kind of interesting I usually go to their website and their Instagram and just look up at their look at their work and stuff because um in the editing world they you don't have to, but it's recommended that you kind of pick a niche as far as editing style. Yeah. Now within my niche, I edit multiple styles, but I tend to go for moody, pretty artsy editing. So yeah. somebody who's very true tone, very light and airy, very portrait-esque, um, I can do it, but it's not the typical clients I take on. And then so if yeah. I if I can't, if I don't feel like our styles would match, I actually have a list of um, fellow editors that I've just met in Facebook groups and stuff with multiple styles who I keep on standby to refer them to. But if I do want to edit for them, then I send them my crew response email, which is a canned email with four things. My pricing guide, uh, which will answer literally every question they probably have. Um, my pricing guide, the option to onboard as a client right away the option to schedule a consultation, and the option to book a trial run. The potential client selects one of these three options. Usually they're ready to onboard, but if they want a consult or trial run, they book that in my scheduler, which is all linked in that inquiry response email. Um, Once the trial run or consult is done, I send them a follow-up email with their onboarding instructions. All this is, is they fill out a style questionnaire so I can start learning their editing style, and they sign my contract. Upon me signing the contract, they are now my client. They are automatically sent importing and exporting instructions and are all set to send galleries to me. And then that brings me into the catalog workflow. I kind of say catalog and galleries interchangeably. The proper word is catalog. That's what it is in Lightroom, but um, the catalog workflow. When editing a catalog for an existing client, the workflow is super easy. The client, it starts on the client's end. They select the gallery that they're wanting to outsource and they prepare anchor images and then build smart previews out of that gallery, which I'll touch on in another day, but they just give me some reference photos for that gallery. And then I only edit with smart previews and those are sent to me in WeTransfer. My turnaround starts one business day after receiving the catalog. So on that day, I make it a project in Dubsado and then I put the dates in. So that helps me also keep due dates um, in my head because it automatically goes on my Google calendar. So I'll get an alert when a gallery is due. And then I open up. So I make it a project in Dubsado open up the gallery, count up the images, and then I make the invoice out of that and send the invoice to the client. I edit the gallery and send it upon completion if the invoice is paid. If they haven't paid it yet, I just send a quick little follow-up email letting them know it's ready and they can receive it upon payment. And then that's it. That's awesome. Super smart. I love your workflow. I think it's super efficient and uh, yeah, super easy. On my end, I've never had any hiccups using it. Anyways, so yeah, good and simple and less is truly more when building an effective workflow. And I think that's the number one point to make with this. Less is more. Your clients don't need a million options without a contact to you or like with what the process looks like. Yeah, I love that. I, again, so easy for me to try so many things, but less is truly more. People don't need too many options. They don't, yeah. So I guess with that, let's give some steps on setting up a successful workflow. So Beth, I know yours and mine looks a little different, but I know there's a lot of stuff that overlaps and I figured we could tag team and kind of give basics Mm -hmm. on what you need to set up a good workflow. This is kind of roughly in the correct order. There's no right or wrong order to set it up. This is just kind of the way I feel like works the best. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. I think that'll be great. Um, so first, you're going to need an automations platform. This is a place where you can set up canned emails, automated emails, organize your clients, you know, set up your schedule, schedulers, have like a calendar, appointments, you know, invoices, anything that tracks your revenue expenses, all of that kind of stuff. For most of you listening, you may hear like HoneyBook and Dubsado most commonly used in the industry. So something like that. Yeah. Like I said, I personally use Dubsado as an editor and Beth is a HoneyBook user and I love what I use. And like same with HoneyBook, I think that caters well to photographers. So either way, if you're deciding on which one to use, watch some YouTube videos, do some reviews, do some research on which one you think might work best for you, but you will definitely need some kind of automations platform. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you have to pay for them, but it's going to be worth it. I promise. We're hoping that by us sharing our stories, you'll see that it is so worth it. Like I really wish someone had told me when I first started out, like I heard people talk about HoneyBook and say, oh, it's so great, but no one really explained what it was. Like it did a thousand more things than I ever could have imagined. I thought it was just like, oh, a place where you could schedule appointments. Like, oh no, you need it. You will benefit from it. The, The couple hundred bucks a year that you spend on it, so worth it. Oh yeah. I will say with that, with um, Dubsado, what I like about it, it is pricey. It's my biggest business expense because of the capacity I'm at now for clients that pays itself off as a business expense very early in my season. Like it's really not a worry and I could not function without it. And Dubsado, I don't know if HoneyBook does this and I've had this Dubsado for a couple of years now, so I don't know if this has changed, but they had a very, very generous trial run when I started. I didn't have to pay for it for actually the first several months of my business owning because it gave me a free trial up until I think three clients. So once I had more than three, because it tracks all your clients. So anytime someone fills out one of your online forms, that becomes a client in nice. you know, on them. So I did a test run with just me and that was one client. Then like Beth onboarded and that was another client. And then I think I got one more. And then they were like, okay, now you got to pay. Like you can't bring on any more clients until you pay. But actually, and then you can only send one email a day through them for the free trial, which worked when I only had like one client. Like I launched my business in July and I didn't start paying for Dubsado, I think until October because I didn't need to be sending multiple emails. Like I think I just had Beth as a client for a while. So um, it was a very generous trial run. If you're nervous to get started, it kind of gave me some room to really get my business off the ground before I had to start paying with for it. So I really like that feature from them. But again, if I had to pay right off the bat, it still would have been worth it. But I just, I like that as like a just a value standpoint. I think that's a cool way for a company yeah. to do it. So that's amazing and really important, especially if you're new to the to the business and needing to figure out what the heck this is. That's amazing. I don't remember HoneyBook having a trial run like that. What I did was I used a friend's um, discount code that she had. So oh, I think nice. I got like 25% off my whole first year, which was like, Ooh, oh, yeah, that was that's pretty really darn good. good. Maybe it was like 40%. And speaking of that, um, if anybody wants to get into HoneyBook, I do have a code. You can DM us or same thing with, I, do you have a code with Dubsado or no? I would have to check. I feel like I might. I definitely have a code with Show It, which is my website. Okay that um, oh well perfect for website building if people because that's obviously also important so yeah we've yeah. uh we've got we've got the goods we got some discounts for you if you need it yeah exactly okay all right 
let's get back on track. So (laughs) next you'll be writing canned emails. Yeah. So next is like canned or templated emails. Um, You don't have to know every canned email right off the bat and you may create more as your business develops, but generally you want to write your inquiry response as an email that you want to save as a template. Um, Confirmation emails, if they're not done automatically for you, like confirmation when they pay and when things are received right? Um, or, you know, for appointments or whatever. And maybe your like gallery is ready email, stuff like that. So you're going to be wanting to create any automated email that you don't think you need to change a lot to be sent out, you know, so you don't have to write it a bunch of times. Yeah. There's lots of different ways to do it. For me, something to note with HoneyBook is the actual templates are automated, but then when I send them, it makes me send it kind of like, and it doesn't make me, this is all automatic, but when I go to send it, it's shows up as an attachment. So I still have to write the subject line of the email, but again, I can create templates for that. So like a new, I have like a new inquiry subject line or subject of the email, um, not subject line, sorry. So it'll be like, Oh, thank you for your inquiry. Attached below is my brochure, blah, 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 blah. So I still have to create those too, or I still had to create them. So yeah, but all those kinds of things are going to be writing those. Yeah. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I also, yeah, like inquiry response email, gallery received. And then I have, uh, yeah, like I have one when I receive a gallery from a client to be edited, just confirming that it's downloaded and nice. in my queue. But yeah, there's probably, I have a few others, but those are basically the important ones. The other ones are kind of specific to to my niche, but in general, yeah. um, inquiry or sorry, canned emails. Then you'll be yeah. setting up a physical, uh, I don't know about physical, a technological, a real actual like workflow in whatever yeah. program you're using. So for me, in Debs Auto, I have it set up to where when a client fills out my inquiry form, their client portal activates. I still physically yeah. send, like I push the actual button to send my inquiry response email because that used to be automatic. I originally had it set up automatically, but through that email, they can become a client. So I had some people completely onboard and sign my contract and I had never looked at their website. I hadn't looked at like their style. I hadn't looked at it and it freaked me out. I was like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I don't even remember what I ended up doing for those maybe that maybe it all worked out but uh so I still physically send the email myself and then I can customize it a bit but after that gets sent the forms that I need the potential client to fill out automatically go into their portal so it sounds like a lot but on my end I literally just hit send on an email that's already written and everything else just happens yeah oh that's amazing I think I'm pretty much the same way. I still make myself like have to press the button to send it and like select the template I want to send to them. If it was fully automated, I would be worried, like you said, that it would like, you know, something would be sent when it was a little too early or something. Yeah. But yeah, things like a location questionnaire I'll send after someone is booked to ask questions so I can send them like a good location guide. And yeah, so stuff like that. I would say those are my, yeah, those are my kind of like automations. Yeah, I have also a um, style questionnaire just so it helps me yeah. get to their style. But, and then like my contract, like I said. So, But those, yeah, all automatically go in their portal actually when they inquire, but they just don't have access to it until I send that email. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. same kind of thing as this. But you – and then after that, you will also need to set up a scheduler. This can be within your automa- automations domain, so Dipsado or HoneyBook. But there's also apps. I think there's one called Calendly that I've used a little bit. They all do the same thing. I prefer keeping it within the domain I'm already using. But basically, it just provides a little calendar to your clients with the dates and times to book an appointment or consult to you. So it kind of just looks like, I don't know, when you go to – book at the dentist or something they might have a calendar where you select yeah. the actual time it's the same idea yeah 
That's a good one. And there's a couple different ways to do that. I actually kind of go back and forth sometimes on wanting to do something like Calendly and create that because at the moment when someone inquires, they list their desired date. If it's a wedding day, obviously they give me their date. So I don't need to send a calendar for that. But sometimes couples will be like, oh, I'll be on the island for like a week from the state to the state. And instead of sending them my calendar because they kind of give me the parameters of like what they – like what dates they want, I'll just tell them – I just have a little section. This is one of the things I customize actually in the brochure before I send it. I have a section in the brochure that talks about availability and I just quickly list the dates during their desired availability where I'm available. I want it. Sometimes I go back and forth. I could do like Calendly, but I'm not sure which would actually save me more time. But yeah, definitely look into, I like what you're saying, getting something like this. It is more common, I think, for photographers and I don't know about editors, but maybe to have a calendar like that. Yeah. So it's so important. Anyways. Yeah, you'll definitely want one as an editor. Um, I use it okay. primarily for booking consultations and booking trial runs. Oh. So yeah, oh, so yeah. I list and, and it's nice because um, you can you can handpick each day and time that you're available. Right now, I actually have that completely blocked off. Like people cannot book anything with me right now because nice. I'm, I cannot, I, uh, yeah, I don't really, I'm not necessarily, my books aren't necessarily close to new clients yet, but I cannot promise trial runs or consultations right now. So I just have yeah. those, I have like, I have, hazardly kind of threw it on my website like not offering this service right now sorry but um but generally the way I had it set up was I I tried to be available like midweek for sure because I knew weekends wouldn't really be the best for photographers so and I just depended on how busy I wanted my schedule to be so typically I'm more free later in the week so I think I had like consultation times ready for Thursday Friday Saturday or for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then trial runs are a little different. That's just the required time that I need the trial run to be in my inbox. So a client can book that time and it has to be in my inbox by that time. And then it's a 24 hour turnaround for that. So they don't overly need to like book that appointment, but I do have it. Sometimes we create that out of a consultation, but anyway, that's a good reason for editors to have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like that. Um, and again, see, that's where it's different for everybody, but yeah, I've, I've booked with some photographers too, who have the calendar and it's, it's nice, but something to think about. Um, okay. Then you need to decide how to take payments. Again, I used to take payments through cash Venmo, like all different kinds of things. And it's honestly much better to set it up professionally and just give them only one choice. Your automation domain, so like we're saying HoneyBook, something like that, should have an area where you write up your invoices and then always link that to your business bank account. So we also talk a little more about why you should have a business bank account and all that stuff in our past taxes episode. So if you're curious about that, you can listen to that episode. Yeah. Like for example, I use Stripe to take my payments, which links yeah. directly to Tibsauto. So for my clients, the experience is just kind of like buying something online. Like I send them their yeah. invoice and there's just a little button to pay. They enter their info and pay it. And then on my end, this payment is recorded in Stripe and then deposited into my account, which is amazing for tax purposes. Doing that at the beginning of this year, I was just able to gather some information from Stripe and Stripe tracked the fees that it takes because it does take a little processing fee. And it's also nice because I serve clients worldwide and it handles all of the conversions. So I don't have to worry about that. It just displays what I've made in the Canadian dollar. And I just send all that to my bookkeeper. And she was amazing. She actually 
double checked it along because um it had a payment list so stripe provided me with a list of every single payment i've ever received from clients with the client name and she did the math and added up each payment and it matched with my final statement that stripe gave me so it's a really good really secure way to have payments and i definitely recommend that and i should say with dubsado it does give you the option to enter in like your expenses and your revenue like business expenses and then each thing you made I don't do that I should but it gives you that option if you're more organized than I am if you if you're so inclined yeah that's awesome okay so where are we at let's move on to I guess delivery then yeah so you'll need an effective method to deliver your final product to your client I forgot to mention earlier in my workflow I use pass galleries to deliver my so that's another part of my workflow is when I deliver my photos to my client I don't use HoneyBook that's not what that's for I use a program called pass galleries and then it just sends it to them in an email I need something really smooth to deliver galleries to my clients so like I said I use pass gallery and then Ayla quick note on this when Ayla sends a gallery to me if I'm like having her edit she sends it to me through retransfer so having those two kinds of things in mind if you're outsourcing your editing you're probably going to want to get into something like retransfer also since since doing more work in photography with like drones and stuff. Sometimes I'll have like a drone video that is too big to fit into the past gallery. So I actually end up using WeTransfer sometimes to send even like final products to clients. So I use both of those, but mostly past gallery and past gallery. Like I said, it's really great. You upload your photos into that. You can make a slideshow in there. You can label the different categories like getting ready, ceremony, reception, all that stuff. And then you just send it to them and it'll be just like a link to a folder that they get in their email and lots of different, you can also like, send um them links through that to like shop their images so they can like uh create galleries and or or not galleries create like photo albums and purchase like gifts and then you'll get a small commission from there so there's a lot to that yeah they just pass is great it's just like pick time or there's a lot of ways to do it but i like pass a lot and it's pretty affordable too there's a they have a good generous free trial too like you can do a certain number of galleries as well for free but then eventually i just started to pay because then you can make like slideshows and all different kinds of things so i pay for it now but yeah and I really like WeTransfer. Again, I use WeTransfer for a bunch of random things all the time. Like, uh, again, I was um, sending some like tax forms to Chris and I have the same bookkeeper. It's my mother-in-law. <laughs> I sound super professional saying my bookkeeper. It's my mother-in-law. But no, um, when we were just sending, when we were sending all that information to her, we wanted it to be encrypted. Um, so we were able to encrypt the file and then send it through that. Like I send it in a bunch of other things. It's like 12 bucks US dollar a month for you to use and then it's free for your clients to use yeah so I really like that my clients don't have to sign up for anything extra all right and finally finally the actual finally the last step to all of this is to use your workflow Mm -hmm. actually use it once you've built it all all of this work that you've put in is useless if you cannot stick to it and actually use it and again still it can be easy for me to go outside of a workflow or for you beth maybe it's easy to make exceptions for like a family member member and be like oh yeah just pay me cash after the gallery's delivered whenever you want that's fine but i'm sure we've all heard horror stories from moments like that so i've done it before where a client seems really it's no client i have currently now by the way but a client seems really stressed so i just edit their gallery and get it to them and i'm like oh yeah pay me whenever i go outside of workflow 
workflow and you're just setting yourself up for situations. So stick to your workflow no matter what and be prepared to update it as your business business grows. This is a good thing to do in your slow season after you've gotten through a busy one. Assess what worked well, what didn't. Now is the time to update my workflow. Yes, good point, good point. And something really quick I think I kind of forgot to mention earlier, just make sure you're connecting whenever you get that automations platform like HoneyBook or Dubsado, make sure you connect your um, contact form on your websites to connect with that. That may be a no-brainer, but that is just another step you're going to have to do because then when someone inquires, it'll be going straight to that platform and it'll just be like the final step of all these automations flowing together really well. Ooh, yes. So if you've listened this far, here's our main takeaway. Setting up automations and workflow is time-consuming, but worth it. It up-levels your photography or editing business to a polished professional level that will really attract your ideal clients. For the editors out there, a professional photographer... A high-volume professional photographer is not looking for an editor who appears messy, has a very long onboarding process, or is hard to contact or unclear. They are busy. They need simplicity and efficiency, and you want to be the one who swoops in there and provides that for them. Preach. A hundred percent. Yes. Shout it from the rooftops. Let's go. We hope we helped tackling workflow a little bit today. We hope we made it like a little less scary and inspired you to take a look at your own workflow and just see if you can like maybe tweak some things or if you're a new photographer or editor, just really get this in place. Um, If you have a system in place, but you notice that inquiries are still not like becoming clients, if you still find yourself frazzled or, or unorganized, it may be time to freshen up your workflow. So try something like what we suggested today, maybe. Yeah, we love bringing tangible tools to your small business, and we truly hope you get something out of it mm-hmm. and overall enjoy today's episode. As always, you can find us on Instagram at the at Art of Intention Podcast, and you can email us any of your questions, suggestions, or guest requests at Art of Intention Podcast at gmail.com. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye.